Welcome to the Unlearn Yourself Podcast. This is the place to discover and remember yourself as you unlearn who you have been taught to be. We will explore who your true self is by diving into your inner world and creating the most empowering, aligned, and free relationship with you and your life. So I am really looking forward to this conversation with you today, Arielle. And before we dive in, I want to start with just some questions, just to get to know you a bit. Um, If you know this, you can answer this. If you don't, it's okay. What's your sun, moon, and rising? Yeah, so my sun is Gemini. My moon, I believe, is Sagittarius. And my rising is Libra. Oh, cool. Awesome. Um, What words would you use to describe yourself? Mm, Embodied. uh, Expressive. Uh, powerful, mm. um, erotic, um, deeply intuitive, and compassionate. Those are beautiful. Really, I, re- I do feel those a lot from your energy. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, there's so much I feel from you. I want to kind of start with how did this all unfold for you? What was your path like to getting to doing what you're doing right now? Mm. Yeah, well, I would say that my path began for me. um, All right, I'll start from this place. So I would say that my path began for me when my parents got divorced when I was 10 years old. Mm -hmm. And I was incredibly close with my father. I was very much, you know, a daddy's girl and just, um, there was a very close connection between us. And uh, when my parents got divorced when I was 10 years old, and I want to preface this by saying that I really um, appreciate, like I have a beautiful relationship with my mother and father right now. And I'm so grateful for the work that we have done to get to the place where we are Mm -hmm. uh, in our connection with each other. And when my parents got divorced when I was 10 years old, there was um, a bit of a breaking in my relationship with uh, my father and I, and also um, kind of a lack of emotional support and holding from my mother. And, you know, just like my family in general around there is this huge change that happened in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, but, and looking back on it, I'm sure that I was depressed and sad and upset, but I didn't know how to label that. Um, I just had experienced a great loss mm-hmm. um, and not having a space to process any of the emotions uh, and also having the experience Uh, where, you know, my father was dealing with his own grief and separation in his own way. And when I would bring my sadness or my emotions, you know, to talk to him about it and express how I was feeling, I was, you know, often met with, uh, you know, my memory is that I was met with defensiveness or kind of like resistance or a a lack of willingness to like really receive my sadness. Mm -hmm. And when I 
look back on this, I really see how it left, you know, a blueprint of I, I can't trust my emotions. Mm. Um, it's not safe for there's it's not safe and there's not safe for me to express emotions that might make other people uncomfortable. And uh, you know, a lot of my work in the world really has been a result of my own uh, growing relationship with men, mm-hmm. with sexuality, with women, and how I'm able to engage in deep, meaningful connection with another without sacrificing myself or suppressing aspects of who I am in the process. And, you know, as I was growing up and going into college, I can really see how um, I was just afraid to be vulnerable. Mm. I was afraid to open myself up and let people feel my vulnerability because I had learned kind of like subconsciously that uh, the more uncomfortable emotions aren't welcome or they're not safe. So I guarded myself around sarcasm and just really was so afraid of opening myself up to someone for fear of being rejected that I wanted to Excuse me? I I, I was just, I literally was saying rejected as you said rejected. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I spent most of my high school years just kind of energetically likely repelling people Mm -hmm. because I was so guarded and had such intense walls up around me that I just, I had a very isolated high school experience and, uh, you know, never dated, never, you know, had sex when I was in high school. And then I got into college and, you know, I was not thrown out, but I moved away from home and I was Mm -hmm. kind of put into an environment where, you know, the college norm is you go out and you party and you drink and you hook up and I was never really much of a drinker in college, but I was the roommate of, you know, a girl who was a drinker and did go out and party. And um, I wound up, you know, having like really wanting to pursue this idea of finding partnership, this Mm. desire to be chosen by Mm. a man and what that meant to me, the story Mm. that I created about it. And I wound up having a lot of empty sex uh, in college and you know like like sex is a beautiful thing and to me there's no right or wrong number of people to have sex with to me it's way more about the inclination from where it's coming from and I was really engaging in sex from a desire to be chosen because Mm -hmm. I thought that if a man you know would sleep with me then he would choose me Mm -hmm. and um I just you know I remember you know, lying in bed at night and thinking that no one was ever going to love me. Uh, I remember that after my sexual experiences with men that, you know, sometimes it would be hard for me to even fall asleep because Mm. I was so afraid and resistant to just fully relaxing into my body because to relax and let go would mean to be vulnerable. Mm -hmm. It would mean to let go of the control that I was holding inside of myself and just be able to relax Mm -hmm. so it was often hard for me to even fall asleep after my erotic experiences with men and uh you know coupled with that uh i was also really struggling in my relationship with food and my body 
Um, uh, I was yo-yoing back and forth between binge eating and chronic dieting and just really fixated on wanting to keep my body small. Mm -hmm. um, and really, you know, much of my path was um, looking at how my relationship to my body and to being beautiful and receiving, you know, nourishment into my body was a doorway into the work that I do now around intimacy and sexuality. Um, you know, I, I left college uh, with a BA in clinical counseling psychology, a minor in philosophy, um, and I wound up actually moving out to California from the East Coast and going to culinary school because um, mm. I worked as a pastry chef in a kitchen while working in a Michelin star restaurant and um, all the while just having this like tormented relationship with my body and just all, like, always thinking about what I'm going to eat for dinner. Like, what am I going to like, how, like both having this deep soon and simultaneously this deep judgment about the impact of my desire to consume ravenously. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and I got to this point where um, I was just, I just got to this breaking point where I was absolutely addicted and consumed by my fixation. Or uh, I just got to this point where I was like, this needs to change. Mm -hmm. I am, I am consumed by this. I typed in food psychology onto Google in Google. Um, I found the Institute for the psychology of eating, mm -hmm. which is a gorgeous program, uh, like, uh, certifying people as coaches to help people around the relationship to food and the body and how that's related to, you know, our connection to the sacred mm -hmm. and to pleasure and started to go down kind of like the intersection of embodiment and spiritual route and working with people. And, you know, as I was coaching women around their relationship to food and body, um, what really started to become highlighted for me was um, the way that I was engaging in my romantic relationships with men and mm -hmm. that there was this pattern of losing myself in relationship in pursuit of finding the one mm. or the idea of the one and you know i feel like i've had several pivotal points in my life um, mm -hmm. that have really catapulted my journey and you know after getting out of a series of definitely emotionally abusive verbally abusive relationships um, which I was a co-creator of, mm -hmm. um, I finally got to this point where I was in a relationship with a very sweet man, um, good, beautiful man who also had, you know, bipolar disorder. And, uh, you know, again, we were just in this space of um, kind of disconnection or not feeling fulfilled. And I remember I was sitting in our bed and he was, you know, in the living room and I was reflecting that for the amount of the sexual experiences I'd had with men up until that point, which had been a lot, mm -hmm. um, the amount of truly pleasurable experiences that I had had uh, with men where I felt comfortable really relaxing into my body and actually knowing how to ask for what I wanted mm -hmm. and actually being able to receive it mm -hmm. um, was very low. Mm -hmm. And 
while I could attribute it to the lack of safety that I experienced or, you know, whatever it was with the men that I was dating. And when I got really honest with myself, I had to acknowledge that I was the common denominator in mm. all of these relationships and that there was something in me that was um, needing and longing to cultivate a deeper relationship with who I truly was and what mm. I desired that would allow me to be a woman who could receive mm -hmm. and actually know what it is that I truly want. Mm -hmm. um, so that's really what opened my path up to a variety of different, you know, interesting erotic lineages of study and, uh, you know, bringing me into and spiritual study as well and bringing me into the place that I am in my life and my work now. <laughs> that's, that's so, that's so beautiful. Um, it seems like there was definitely a wounding that happened with the masculine very early on. And then the disassociation you made with the feminine. So I bet this is a big part of your work, the polarities of the masculine and feminine energies. And you're very right. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I, I mean, what else, what I sense from you is this, like, you're, it's like, like the embodiment of intimacy, but in this, like, in this, like, very unapologetic, sovereign way. Mm. So I want to talk about how did you get to the point where your emotions were no longer bad? Your emotions mm. were no longer something you had to repress. Because you, you said something really powerful, this need to be chosen by a man. Mm-hmm. And that, and that vulnerability of, of, it kind of feels like if I am myself, the fullness of myself, the, the, there's, there could be potential something, mm -hmm. rejection, um, or what, what, is, what, like not being received. So I want to talk about like vulnerability and the, 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 alchemy of the emotions of being repressed to finally being like no this is this is something i'm going to embody i'm going to choose mm. am, am i making sense here <laughs> yes i mean you totally are you're speaking to so many different gorgeous aspects of my journey and what i believe are important aspects of every person's journey regardless of gender uh, so yes you're making a lot of sense and there's a couple of different points that i could enter in from uh, there's there's several things running through my head, so I'm curious, is there a question that you would like to ask to kind of open this portal? <laughs> I, I think I'm just going to let you see what comes up and let's just let's just see what flows right now. Excellent. Well, what's what's top of mind, top of heart, top of body with me is that um, what has allowed me to continue to deepen and deepen more into the embodiment of my authentic self, like my truest potential has been um, opting into a spiritual path, mm. which to me is about cultivating my own unique relationship to the divine, to God, to source energy, to me as an embodiment of the you know, the divine and masculine and feminine energies that spark all of creation and really looking at uh, where so much of human suffering, so much of insecurity, so much of lack of self-worth, so much of shame and guilt and fear and scarcity 
uh, ultimately comes down to the illusion that we are disconnected, mm-hmm. that we are separate from, and that we are not that we are not God. And that my, the ter- utilizing the term God might be triggering for some people. So to me, when I say God, I'm saying that there's a universal source energy that creates everything, and it, it is it is of a higher intel- intelligence. Mm-hmm. Uh, and these, that's the, that's the framework that I operate from and to get that and understand that conceptually, but to bring that into a, a, a gnosis, a, you know, an embodied knowing, um, it shifts everything mm-hmm. because once we start, and this is where, you know, the healing of my internal masculine and feminine polarities has come in and that the wounding of the masculine uh, wounding and lack of trust by the masculine comes in uh, because it really began with me looking at where I was sourcing my my power and my safety externally, mm. where I felt that my safety and my well and my happiness is based upon how I can make other people perceive me in a certain way or relate with me in a certain way and shifting that into cultivating such a deep uh, and devotional relationship with my own self, with my own truth, with Mm -hmm. uh, really looking at how my own judgment of myself was getting in the way of me in like being able to validate like these deep desires and longings that exist within me. Because Mm -hmm. in the work that I do in my mentoring work and my coaching work, we always enter through the gateway of desire. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, what is it that you actually desire? And so many of us, and this is what I've seen through my own journey and through the journey of others, is that there's this, there's this kind of collective shame about like owning what it is that we want mm-hmm. or this, this lack of trust what it, uh, about what it is that we really desire, exactly. this, mm-hmm. this disapproval mm-hmm. of who I am and what I want. And that disapproval, that shame carries an energetic frequency. It, it carries an energetic blueprint that transmits out into the world and serves as a, like a, a, a lens through which we both perceive reality, create reality and attract reality. Mm-hmm. So this, if, if that might be a little bit out there for some people, but what I have found is rather what I found through my journey is rather than you know, trying to control or manipulate or coerce or force for things outside of me to happen, which often comes from a deep fear that if I was just myself, like how, how could I possibly have what I wanted if Mm. I was just me, you know, like how, Mm. how, how could that be enough to shifting my mindset and heart set and somatic set to if I just devote myself to truly knowing and loving and expressing who I really am and fully seating myself on my throne, mm. just as everyone on this planet has a throne that we can seat ourselves into, that nothing that is meant for me will be, be deprived 
-hmm. of me and that my job is not to try and force outcomes, but instead to do the work of identifying and releasing all uh, you know, attachments and distortions that would have me act from a place of feeling that I am not worthy of mm. my birthright. Mm. Wow. You said something that really sent chills down my spine. It's like, oh, I'm trying to formulate how you worded it, but it's like we aren't being who we are because we're carrying the shame or we're, we're, we're limiting who we are. I'm not, the words are not coming to me, but that shift that you talked about going from being extra sourcing your power, your truth, your worthiness from external to making it this deep embodiment of internal, like you're coming, it's coming from you. Like, how how can we make that shift because mm -hmm. it, it's really powerful and you're speaking to me right now so this is good <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah so yeah it's a beautiful question and to quote unquote answer that question with the acknowledgement that i do not have all the answers i'm not saying this is the right way i'm just saying this is the way that feels deeply true in my bones mm -hmm. so you can take that for what it is. Uh, and uh, I'll begin by answering that uh, there's, a, there's a phrase that I utilize called the wound at the point of penetration. Mm -hmm. And this is the, the core, to me, the core archetypal wounding between the divine masculine and feminine. And you know, when I say the wound at the point of penetration, most people would probably think, oh, you mean like sexual penetration? Mm -hmm. And Yes, that is one expression of penetration. Uh, however, I'm speaking out to the grander concept of, you know, like let's say that every human being, you know, every human being has a body. And then, you know, expanded from that body is an energetic field, mm -hmm. an auric field, a container of energy that is an expression of our soul, our spirit, our energy. Mm -hmm. And at some point, likely on our journey of being human, um, likely someone said something to us, did something to us, expressed a desire, exerted an expectation, uh, touched us, um, did something to us that penetrated into our either physical body or to our energetic field without our consent mm -hmm. or without attunement. Mm -hmm. Meaning without really feeling into, is this person available? Does this person want to receive this desire, this request, this expectation? Mm -hmm. And, you know, one of the biggest thing that comes up in my work with people is boundaries, mm -hmm. you know, and not just verbal boundaries, but energetic boundaries. And, you know, one of the most important things for human beings at a biological level is, is safety and love and belonging. Mm -hmm. and Often what happens is that at some point in our human journey, uh, something or someone who we love a lot does something to us that on a deep soul level, we're a no to or doesn't feel good. 
But at that moment, we didn't know how to say no. We didn't know that saying no was an option. And even if we did, there was this deep fear that if I honor this truth that exists within me, that I could be rejected, that I could be abandoned, that I could be made wrong. Mm -hmm. And that creates this really pivotal blueprint where not only does it kind of impact our framework of what we believe love is mm -hmm. like what are the rules of engagement of who i need to be and what i need to sacrifice in order to create love in my life mm -hmm. um, but on an even deeper level what it actually does is perpetuate an experience of self-violation mm -hmm. and this again this is deep right Mm -hmm. Right. This this touches into some very core and you know taboo stuff because there's so much there's so much trauma around mm -hmm. wounding around penetration mm -hmm. and uh, where I would say the work really begins is taking it one layer beneath um, you know the the accusing or just the acknowledging of wow like this person did something to me that really didn't feel good and acknowledging that and owning like, wow, when this person did this to me, that was not okay. And mm -hmm. I need to make that communication and clean up that. But on a deeper level, it's really inviting us to look at where am I actually violating on a daily basis? Mm. Like where are all the little places in my life where my soul is a no to something, but I'm saying yes because I feel that this is what I need to do to make love stay. Mm -hmm. We're just repeating so, that pattern. Exactly. And it could be, you know, like in our friendships of the things where, you know, our friends ask us to do things that we don't really want to do, but we say yes, because we don't want to be a bummer. We, you know, we love our friends. So we want to say yes to them. Um, it can be showing up in our intimate partnerships where maybe, you know, we're, especially with sexuality where we're, you know, maybe as, women like receiving things inside of us before our body's fully ready to receive something mm -hmm. inside of us or you know just there's a whole bunch of there's a whole bunch of scenarios where we're not honoring the no in our body mm -hmm. um and what this winds up doing is um it like it it facilitates an experience of disembodiment mm -hmm. because we are not creating a safe container within our own body. And this is where the internal masculine and feminine union plays in because ideally the internal masculine is our protector. Mm -hmm. It's the grounded container that supports men which is, you know, our vulnerability, our creativity, our emotionality to be able to fully soften and embody and express. Mm -hmm. And when we aren't, you know, embodying our boundaries and really being in integrity mm -hmm. with our soul's truth at a very deep level, um, that's going to be reflected in uh, the level of power and safety and connection with source that we feel mm -hmm. it's going to impact the, the types of relationships we're going to attract into our life it's going to influence the amount of abundance that we can invite into our life in aligned ways mm -hmm. um, so really starting that's why one of my main self-paced courses is the soul of boundaries because mm -hmm. if we aren't creating a clear foundation of what our yes and our no is 
it, it's like it's a cl it clouds our ability to actually know what it is that we really want. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, something that stood out to me that you that you said was um, like some that that wound was the point of penetration when somebody did something to you without your consent, and you know for me, this comes back to being in childhood where there isn't that level of awareness or that you know, there's so much innocence there. Um, and, yeah. and then, you know, for me, it was, I was made to be wrong and mm -hmm. everything. I could never do anything right. And, you know, my worth, my worth and my value and my wholeness as, as a inherent, you know, divine, creation was just ripped out of me at a very early age mm. and I I I have struggled with my my authentic expression in in such yeah. a way of you know there's like this desire to be authentic and be myself which you know I am because I don't know how to be any other way. But then there's this part of me that comes in. There's like this deep judgment and shame for being so authentic. Mm. And so as you were speaking, um, what I'm maybe like, correct me if this is right. But what I'm saying is the point of penetration, the wounding, it like disrupts the, the homeostasis or the balance of the masculine and feminine energies within each person where mm. it, each those things can either become distorted. Mm -hmm. Yes. Oh, go. Was there another piece you wanted to speak? Um, and I wanna, I wanna talk. Like everybody, everybody has an inner masculine, inner feminine. It's not just a man or a woman or a woman to yes. woman that we're we're relating to. It's, um, and I wanna talk, uh, talk, talk a bit about how do we bring. There's healing that needs to be done. Like you know, ev like we know which, which place the wounding is at for us. And sometimes it's both. Yes. 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 So yes, to me, this, the, the wounding between the internal masculine and feminine, which, you know, first of all, I want to acknowledge that there is a wide spectrum of gender. And right now is just one of many dynamics. And I believe it's a pivotal dynamic that we need to address in culture if we as human beings are going to be able to evolve into our next evolution and paradigm of leadership, of community, of cohesiveness, of synergistic creation, as opposed to dominator culture of war, um, is there's deep healing that needs to occur between men and women mm -hmm. in our culture. And this is where I want to start weaving in, you know, the relationship between our sexuality Mm -hmm. And also our relationship to spirituality and being vessels for divinity to be able to flow through us. Um, because when we talk about the wound at the point of penetration, um, when that wound occurs, what I have found happens at a core level is that there's something in us that stops trusting ourselves. Mm, that's so there's, spot on. There's a lack of trust in our you know, our, our innocence. And this is where the, the sexual element gets woven in that there's, there's something in us that almost feels like when we lose that trust, that, that there's something about us that becomes perversified. 
that there's, there's some like deep lack of trust and shame around this fear that I am, I'm no longer pure. Mm-hmm. Uh, at least that's, that's what I have found to be this energetic blueprint. Mm-hmm. And that if at a deep level, we're operating from a place of, I can't actually trust myself, which means I can't trust my desires, which means that I can't trust my boundaries, which means that there's likely something outside of me that knows better about who I am and what I want than my own inner guidance system. Mm-hmm. Can I add something? Uh, that's, that's, yeah. Can, what about like, I can't trust my expression mm-hmm. the, way, the way I show up? Well, I mean, there's multiple, there's multiple layers to that, right? I can't trust my expression. Uh, because, so if I can't trust my expression, that means that if I'm my authentic, if I, if I feel like something is true and I express myself, how can I actually trust that that's what's true? Mm-hmm. Um, perhaps my expression is too much and maybe I'm going to push people away. Perhaps I can't trust my power because Mm -hmm. in the past when I have, you know, let power and energy move through me, it's taken me to some dark places or I've been judged Mm -hmm. or, you know, my power is intimidating to other people. It's threatening to other people. So I might be attacked if I'm expressed in my power, you know, so there are all these underlying assumptions that we can make about reality. Uh, that are essential for us to really un- like be able to see clearly mm-hmm. because can you can you see how these beliefs if we're not aware of them they can completely color our perspective of reality yeah and of ourselves totally yeah and what we receive yeah you know which is why to me working with our relationship to sexuality and not just our experience in sexual acts, but how we perceive ourselves as sexual beings and looking at, do we have judgment or shame or feelings of impurity mm-hmm. about who we are as sexual beings? Because to me, a sexual experience you know, is, is a microcosm of the way that we show up mm-hmm. and embody and express ourselves in every area of our life. You know, do I feel comfortable in my body in a sexual experience? Am I able to communicate my desires and my boundaries and my feelings and my vulnerabilities in a sexual experience? Um, Do I feel able to receive from an engaged place as opposed to kind of passively receiving and sort of checking out of my body? Mm-hmm. Uh, am I able to really relax into receiving pleasure and open up into orgasm and stay connected to my heart and to the other person? Mm-hmm. Uh, am I able to give from a place of overflow and empowerment or uh, do I feel an obligation and that in giving I'm actually sacrificing some core aspect of myself because this is what I believe that I need to do in order to make love stay, Mm -hmm. you know, there 
relationship and sexuality are such a potent avenue into the spiritual path. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's also some of the most confronting. Yes. yes <laughs> you know, for sure. Play for sure. Yes. It's, it's our greatest. I mean, it's, it's, it's such a mirror, such a mirror. I mean, I've been in partnership for 10 years now. Um, wow. And I got married this last year <laughs> to my, to my partner and wow. Talk about, talk about everything <laughs> coming up. Yeah. Um, and and thank, thank goddess, right? Thank I goddess mean, that it's coming up. <laughs> yes. Because it's, it's, what it's like this is something that my my partner and I have said to each other you know because we're doing this this is the best thing we could do to just evolve and grow and come into this deep communion with who we are and the divine like there is this is such a huge portal for that um yeah but what I want to say is embodiment I I this is so big for me um Mm -hmm. How do we start like actually feeling safe in our bodies, coming into our bodies and, and meeting our desires without judgment mm-hmm. and saying, this is what yeah. I want or no, thank you, or I will pass. I do not consent. You know, like the, that deep, deep embodiment of the self. Yeah. 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 It's a beautiful question. And it's, it's guiding us right along track because to like this is about ultimately this work uh, of to me this is about expansion to me Mm -hmm. this is about we're at this pivotal time in history you know perhaps we've been here for a very long time where we have the capacity to anchor heaven into earth where humanity is actually at a place in its evolution where we can awaken to the divinity that exists within us and that there is more than enough that me fully embodied in my power and my sovereignty and my magic doesn't mean that there's less space for you Mm -hmm. to do that. And there's actually more than enough resources. So to fully opt into our bodies, uh, ironically, so that we can be in greater connection with the divine uh, is that path. And you know, in order to, like, to me, this is about restoring integrity with ourselves. Mm. You know, we, we live in, when I say a culture that is very disembodied, I come from American culture. Uh, but my experience is that most of us are walking around disembodied as a byproduct of the wound at the point of penetration, and that we haven't learned how to restore integrity with ourselves so we're walking around partially or fully out of our bodies so that we don't have to be with the pain Pain, yes of of abandoning ourselves so uh to start like so much of our reality is led not by our conscious mind but actually by our subconscious Mm -hmm. and unconscious and on a deep level of awareness if our soul knows well Ariel's not going to speak up for her needs and desires and is in a place where she's, you know, allowing things to happen to her that she doesn't actually want that are painful in some way. So I'm going to pop out of the body to cope with that because she's not ready to take ownership for the role that she plays in creating her reality. And again, this is a charged topic because there's a lot of trauma 
mm-hmm. that exists in the world right now. There's a lot of wounding where people have been violated and people have been victims of subtle to severe abuse because of this mm-hmm. wound at the point of penetration where we both receive harm and cause harm because we're disconnected from ourselves. Mm-hmm. And if we're disconnected from ourselves, how can we truly be connected and caring of another human being? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so this work is to me about embracing the mantra of, I will no longer sacrifice myself to gain the love and approval of others. Mm. It's looking at where our life is in some way being led by the wound of abandonment that that core wound, even though it may have originated through feeling like we were abandoned by someone else, is about restoring integrity in all the little places where we are abandoning ourselves, our own truths, our own feelings, our own desires on a daily basis, and restoring that integrity and that alignment. So on a deep, unconscious, subconscious level, our soul sees, wow, Ariel's committed to herself. Mm-hmm. She's committed to um, cultivating trust with herself, cultivating integrity with herself, which means it's safe for her to fully incarnate because she's cultivating and devoted to cultivating um, the ability to heal her own trauma, to release those trauma blueprints from her body she's willing to fully be here she's willing to fully feel the pain of what it means to be fully alive because Mm -hmm. it is heartbreak it is heartbreaking Mm -hmm. it is heartbreaking to fully be here on this planet that's part of the challenge of being a soul and a spirit in the body is that it's heartbreaking to be a human being Mm and it's apps also has the potential to be absolutely ecstatic mm-hmm. and we have the potential to experience such gorgeous bliss mm-hmm. and love and connection in our life uh, uh, but in order to truly be available to receive that and hold the sensation of that divine aliveness with in our body, cultivating this integrity with ourselves so that we are trustworthy vessels for higher levels of erotic energy to flow through us, of power, of desire, of divinity through us is essential. Mm-hmm. And to me, this is the work of I was telling you earlier about the Cosmic Tantra community is about learning integrity with ourselves and with our relationships so on a deep level we can actually be grounded and available to receive Mm -hmm. more of the pleasure and the intimacy and the connection uh, and the communion that we're that we're longing for Mm -hmm. yeah the thing that comes up for me is how does being integrity with myself feel that's a great question um how does like this is I, but this is also the other thing is like you know when when we have experienced trauma and wounding and we don't feel safe in the body we try to escape the body you know um and we're not embodied but you know 
it's really about being in the body and grounding the spirit and the soul, the divine into the body. Mm-hmm. That's power. <laughs> um, then we're in total alignment, you know, then we're God manifest in human form. Mm-hmm. Um, but what happens is when we, when we disassociate with the body and become disembodied, we don't feel safe to trust our emotions anymore. Yes. Right. That's so, the, yep. Go ahead. Well, I mean, that's the piece that I was going to say because, you know, a lot of kind of like the taboo part of this conversation is that, well, um, there can be this concept of, you know, victim shaming that, well, I've gone through this really intense experience, like, and you want to tell me that I need to take responsibility for that. Mm -hmm. And it can be, it can be, it can turn into this like feeling of like shaming and, you know, really wanting to acknowledge that trauma is not to be bypassed. You know, trauma, there are layers to healing from trauma so that it's actually something that we can release from the system mm-hmm. and shift into a more empowered creatorship. Um, and the key piece here that I find for allowing ourselves to come more into the body is that we need to allow for grief to move through our systems mm-hmm. because what I find is that when we experience some type of trauma, and this can be a micro trauma to, you know, a huge trauma like rape or physical abuse or something like that, where we have this experience that was painful to us and hurtful to us and felt violating of us on some level. So there's the purity of just, that's an experience that happened. Mm-hmm. And then we go conversation earlier of, um, but what if, what if I judge myself that experience? What if I feel like I deserved that experience? Um, what if I feel like I, like it's, it's my fault that experience it's happened fine. or I, w- I was being punished for that experience or, um, oh, I should be over this already. Or, oh, like, you know, like it's not safe for me to feel this grief. And what winds up happening is, you know, other work that I facilitate is around energetic expansion in the body versus contraction mm-hmm. in the body. And what I believe trauma is, is these little contractions that exist within the body that are calcified emotion mm-hmm. that we haven't given ourselves permission to fully feel and release because of the deep fear belief that it's not safe for me to feel this. I will be overwhelmed by this. I can't handle this. Mm -hmm. And it's like it creates this contraction or stagnancy where things can't move through our system. Mm -hmm. So to me, a lot of this work around embodiment is cultivating such a deep compassion Mm -hmm. for ourselves and our suffering that we are willing to allow ourselves to fully move through the grieving process and be supported in the grieving process. And here's the the catch is also becoming very aware of the places where we become attached to or addicted to our own suffering or our own victimhood or our own trauma because there is 
something that feels safe mm-hmm. or secure in it. And it actually keeps us kind of locked into a loop that is familiar, mm-hmm. but it doesn't actually allow us to move uh, into greater evolutions yes. of ourselves. Yes. I'm so glad you said that because that's, this, that's so key right there because that process you just described, I've been through with myself and the awareness that I had was realizing that I'm staying in a victim relationship with this still. And because I'm staying in a victim relationship with it, because out of familiarity, that's it. Because out of familiarity. Um, and for me, it was because it happened so young so, so young that I didn't know myself any, I didn't know myself without this and realizing that my sense of self was coming from this still, but it was a distorted sense of self. I was not perceiving myself clearly. And when I, when I, when I, when I said to myself, you know, this is a matter of self-responsibility, like, like like just being like from victim to taking self-responsibility and being like this is no longer has to be my truth anymore that is the liberation for me was liberation for me yep and you know and again the journey where we get to a place uh you know uh, there is, are you familiar with the, the, the levels of the, comp, the, the competencies, the four different competencies? Mm-mm. So I forget who founded this, but there's basically competencies. There's unconscious incompetency. There's conscious incompetency. There's conscious competency. And then there's unconscious competency. Mm-hmm. And to me, it's, it's like the four stages of awareness where um, the unconscious incompetency is like, I don't know that I don't know. Mm-hmm. And then conscious incompetency is I am aware that I don't know. And then there's this pivotal shift into conscious competency where we are practicing knowing. So what I hear you having moved through your own evolution with, and this is something that we all do is, you know, I don't realize that my traumas and my wounding are creating my experience of reality. Yes. And then we move into this place of conscious incompetency where I come to the realization that my wounding and my traumatic experiences have colored my reality and that I have the capacity to shift my experience. And there are layers to this shift from conscious incompetency to conscious competency, which to me is shifting from uh, the, you know, I'm a victim of my experience to I am the creator yes. of my experience and that we can't actually shift from that one paradigm into the other until we've moved through the necessary layers of grief mm-hmm. and compassion for self. And the feelings of victimhood and rage and anger and resentment and helplessness that all of those are necessary before we can get to a place where, and now I'm actually ready to release that from my system and to choose something different Mm -hmm. that we can't bypass that experience. um, And we can't force people to move faster 
then their system is ready to. Yes. That makes a lot of sense. Thank you for sharing that. You're welcome. It's, it's important because it's a really charged topic, mm-hmm. you know, around the evolution of consciousness and in different spiritual communities and there's layers to it. Yeah. And there's this notion to just kind of go vertical and forget the, forget the human self. Um, yep. I want to talk about, uh, let's see if this feels right to move into talking about, cause you talk a lot about our relationship with our power, our truth and our desires. Mm-hmm. And I feel that without having this, this level of deep intimacy with ourselves, like we just described about holding ourselves without non-judgment and, and processing the, the trauma, mm-hmm. the, the, the wound. Mm-hmm. Um, and being coming in with being the divine masculine for ourselves and the divine feminine for ourselves. Um, do you feel like um, activating the divine masculine within ourselves and the divine feminine within ourselves really gives us a container to hold this wound to try to, to basically alchemize it or to expand from it? Oh, it's absolutely essential because our relationship to our internal masculine and feminine is a reflection of the way that we relate every single experience Mm -hmm. we create in our life because Mm -hmm. it's the experience of giving and receiving Mm -hmm. and everything in life is an experience of giving and receiving. Mm -hmm. Uh, If I'm in an intimate relationship with someone, we're giving and receiving with each other. If I'm in a business collaboration partnership, or if I'm, you know, a teacher or, you know, I have a business, there's an experience of giving and receiving. Uh, there, like everything is an experience of giving and receiving. And it's this question of at that point of penetration, at that point of where my giving becomes you receiving something mm-hmm. or your giving becomes me and receiving something, do I feel trust in myself? Mm. Do I feel in an alignment and integrity with how this giving and receiving is occurring? Uh, Do I feel safe to receive? Do I feel clean in my giving? And by giving, like, am I giving without any hidden agendas or expectations? Or attachments. Or attachments. And this is where... And this is where, you know, our connection to the spiritual path comes in because, and this is where the idea of power comes in because for example, let's look at who some of the wealthiest people in the world are right now. And most of the people in the world who have the largest amounts of wealth Mm -hmm. are likely out of some form of emotional, spiritual, or energetic integrity with themselves. Mm -hmm. So there's some, and again, I'm making a generalization. I'm not, sh- I'm not saying this is true in all circumstances, but the challenge is that most models of power and wealth and influence that we see in the world is are models where it looks like it's power, influence, or wealth at the expense of integrity mm-hmm. uh, or connection. So again, that to me is a macrocosmic sh- uh, like reflection of the, the wounded mass, like the wounded masculine is dominator culture. Mm-hmm. The wounded masculine is there's either power over or power under. So mm-hmm. I better have power over. 
And it's at the expense of the feminine, mm -hmm. which the feminine is sensitivity. Mm -hmm. Feminine is the felt sense, which is an essential aspect of the expressive and penetrative power of the masculine. Because when the feminine and the masculine are working in relationship with each other, it's penetration with attunement. Mm -hmm. It's the masculine saying, I am going to take action while being in connection to the ecosystem that exists with around me and care for my impact because I know that I'm connected to everything. Mm -hmm. The masculine in its highest form lives in service to the intuitive knowing and acts on behalf of the intuitive knowing of the feminine. Mm -hmm. And it is the masculine is nourished by the intuitive knowing of the feminine. Mm -hmm. And in return, the feminine receives like the, the, you know, the leadership and the holding of the masculine so that it can continue to soften into its feminine intuitive knowing mm -hmm. and I'm not even sure what the question was that led into this conversation <laughs> no this is perfect um, what, what would be the distortion of the feminine here mm -hmm. so the distorted feminine there's several ways this can show up so the distorted feminine is the damsel in distress. Mm. The, the damsel in distress or the, the distorted feminine is like topping from the bottom. Mm. And what I mean by that is um, an addiction to a feeling of helplessness. Mm. And using that form of power as a way to manipulate and have power over because of um, the power of being a victim. Mm -hmm. That it's, it's kind of like its own trump card. Mm -hmm. uh, the, the distorted feminine, you know, how that shows up in women when I see is, oh, I, um, if I'm in a relationship and I'm, you know, heterosexual, I need create safety for me, which leads back to, you know, my personal story of, you know, being in pursuit of a male partner, because I thought that that's what would save me from my own deep fear that I couldn't care for myself doing what I love in the world. The fear you, that. Mm -hmm. Were you saying that the, I need a man to create safety for me? That's what the mm -hmm. distorted. Okay. Okay. Yes. That uh, as a woman, I need something outside of me to create safety for myself because I'm not enough to create that safety for myself. Um, the distorted feminine is also, I can't trust my feelings, my emotions, my desires. Uh, I'm too much. I'm crazy. Mm. Uh, the distorted feminine in men is uh, vulnerability isn't manly. Mm -hmm. uh, sensitivity isn't safe. In order to be a man, I can't have feminine aspects of myself. Mm -hmm. The distorted feminine can also show up as women utilizing our sexual energy to manipulate for power over men because as women, 
we've been shown that that's one of the few places that we actually have power. power. Yeah. So, so utilizing our sexuality as a coercive and manipulative force, those are some expressions of the distorted feminine. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, I, ha- I, I have to get into relationships now <laughs> with this. Excellent. Um, because, wow, like these dynamics are just, you know, it's bouncing off each other, in, especially in relationships. It's, it's the most, I think it's the greatest way to observe and to become aware of this, these, all these dynamics. Yeah. Yeah. Where would you like to go? <laughs> I don't know. I'm just like, tell me more. <laughs> yeah. So again, you know, this, if we look at the flow of masculine and feminine energy as an infinity, you know, symbol, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, that's, like it, that's exactly what I was doing with my head when I was speaking. <laughs> yes yes so that's one of the you know so and then are you familiar with the toroidal energy field uh i i i might have heard pilar talk about it but i'm not it's not coming to my mind right now yeah so anyway the so the primary feedback loop of masculine and feminine energy always begins between self and source Mm-hmm. So the toroidal and, and look it up after this call, but the toroidal energy field is it's like this f- flow of energy that's constantly cycling in kind of like a mushroom shaped um, circular field that it's constantly flowing, you know, down through the top of our head, out through our feet, cycling back up and then moving back again down through the top of the head, down through the feet. So it's the cycling of giving and receiving energy and mm-hmm relationship that flow of energy between self and source okay that that giving and receiving of masculine and feminine energy Uh, and then we have the dynamics between everyone else that exists within our life which is the infinity symbol of that giving and receiving of masculine and feminine energy that's flowing as this energetic current between each of us Mm -hmm. and based upon that primary relationship with masculine and feminine energy um, within, I have a a model that I work with that um, uh, speaks about the kind of like the, the highest evolution of masculine and feminine energy that exists within us. And then what the, you know, distorted expressions of that masculine and feminine energy can look like if we don't commit to cultivating and refining and polishing those energies. Mm -hmm. So when we are distorted, when we have, you know, shadow expressions or a distrust in the masculine and feminine that exists within us, it's going to show up in who we attract in to our life. Mm -hmm. Because if there's something in me, like, For example, if like earlier on in my 20s, when I was first starting, you know, when I left, you know, working in kitchens and having a job and I started my business, um, my internal masculine, what both my internal masculine and feminine um, were distorted. Mm -hmm. Uh, And what that looked like was there was a deep part of me that feared 
that if I was to really follow the guidance of my feminine intuition and build a business that was rooted in my soul's purpose, mm -hmm. that I would not be able to create financial security and stability for myself. Mm -hmm. So I was both committed to this path of building a business and building a life rooted in connection to my feminine. Uh, and uh, there was a big part of me that distrusted my ability to create safety within myself. So I was attracted to the idea of finding a partner who mm -hmm. could save me in some way or in some way, you know, that I could escape from my fear of not being able to take care of myself. Mm -hmm. And how that wound up showing up for me was that I would tend to attract partners into my life uh, who wanted to control or own me mm. in some way um, or partners who had a lot of financial security, but there was also just like uncleanness in the way that money was being exchanged between they and I and what the expectations were, mm -hmm. you know, as a result of, you know, receiving, you know, gifts from them and things like that. So the, the way that of my inner masculine and feminine polarities was being reflected to me was showing up in kind of the toxic dynamics that were being reflected in the partners that I was attracting in because it's about resonance. Yes. It, it's about the energetic frequency that we're getting into the world. And as a result, the like frequencies that we're going to track in as a reflection of our internal reality. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's going to mirror back to you the thing that you need to expand in or look at yourself where you need to come into integrity with yourself and balance within yourself. Yeah. And, you know, wanting to clarify that no one's perfect. Yeah. Uh, my personal feeling is that if we get to a place where we have completely healed and harmonized our masculine and feminine polarity, it's likely that we don't need to be in a body yes. anymore. Yes. So when I'm saying this, you know, people might be listening and thinking, well, fuck, there are some of those things that are showing up in my relationship. <laughs> and that doesn't mean that you need to end the relationship or blow up the relationship. Mm -hmm. The key here is that if you are a person who's on an evolutionary path, who actually wants to heal and grow and evolve through how you show up in integrity with yourself and your interpersonal relationships, the key is, are you in relationship with someone who was also excited and committed to the path of really looking at themselves and taking ownership for the role they play in creating the reality and that they they can shift their internal experience and that we can actually experience and create something new mm -hmm. for ourselves through how we show up in relationship with each other mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um and that's, that's really the biggest piece is, are we in relationship or in relationships with couple people? Because not everyone's practicing, you know, just being in partnership with one person. Mm -hmm. um, but it's this question of, am I engaging with people who are committed to their own evolutionary path and are willing to stay connected uh, in the places where triggers come up mm -hmm. and defensiveness comes up? Like, is this person willing to lean in um, rather than allowing for defensiveness and reactivity mm -hmm. to perpetuate mm -hmm. what isn't working. 
Yes, yes, totally and resonate with that. Totally resonate with that. My partner and I have those conversations all the time. <laughs> um, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, because because uh, <laughs> um, I mean, I watch myself get defensive and him vice versa, and I'm like, oh, there's something here, mm-hmm. right? Let's go down. What this. a beautiful thing! What a beautiful thing! Um, it's 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 hard. It's really hard because you know at times your 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 emotions just take charge, take control of you, and you just project onto this person all your garbage. Um, it's really interesting that you talked about the the, the that. And could you talk about more about like this authentic? communication and partnerships because having that foundation of okay am I with somebody who is willing to do their work to evolve and grow and heal yeah. and, and to ascend you know and to be embodied embodied yeah. the spirit embodied yeah how yes. how do we facilitate an open connection with our partners or with the real people in our lives the relationships in our lives Yes, such a beautiful question. So, I mean, there's, there's many layers to this and it's certainly a dance, but the first thing that comes up is being willing to get really honest with ourselves about where, you know, when there's conflict, looking at the place in us that wants to point the finger or be right mm. and, and make the other person wrong as a way to create a feeling of safety. Mm. and it's about really shifting our languaging from you did this thing and it was fucked up to Mm. when you did this thing like this feeling came up for me and it was really upsetting for me and I want you to know because I want to be an authentic connection for you and I really like I would really really love to have a conversation about this because I can't I can't act like this doesn't exist for me yeah. Um, like I need to stay connected to my authentic, like it's about, and this, again, it's tying everything in of validating my emotional experience, doing my own internal work of looking at, um, like what is truth and what is distortion. Mm-hmm. And by that meaning, like, am I reacting to something this person actually did, or am I reacting to a story I've created about this person because of something that they did that reminds me of an experience of not being safe or being taken advantage of in the past Mm -hmm. and really um, doing that work of this is, this is the role of our own healing. It's Mm -hmm. being committed to becoming aware of the traumas from past experiences that I'm carrying that on some level, I give myself permission to cause harm and shame and blame in my relationship because of my unresolved wounding from the past. Yes. And learning how to communicate with your partner about when those things are happening mm-hmm. so that they can be an ally for you and with you. And where it's more about like, I'm noticing that this old wounding is arising within me and I want to reveal to you the process that I'm going through and also share with you how you can support me in my own healing process and actually create more intimacy and more authenticity with your partner as a result. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I lost my train of thought. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um. Well, I can add in this other piece. Um, I've been bringing this up. Uh, an old teacher of mine, um, you know, she was a business coach of mine, and she would talk about, you know, the most powerful way to go into a negotiation mm-hmm. is to be willing to walk away. Mm. Or to be willing to be unattached. Unattached, to exactly. That's what came to mind. Unattached, unattached to outcome. Yes, yeah. and a lot of this work again is looking at where we come in with fixed ideas of what a relationship is supposed to look like, what yes. it means to win in a relationship, what it means to fail in a relationship, and how we alter our behavior when we have fixed ideas of what we think the relationship should look like. Mm -hmm. So a lot of, to me, again, this work is um, really asking yourself, am I willing to either walk away from this relationship or shift the container and agreements of this relationship? And that might mean maybe we're shifting from a sexual relationship to a friendship. Mm-hmm. you know, or, or something like that. Like, am I willing to be in service to the truth mm-hmm. of what is the highest form of this relationship that supports both me and this other person in embodying our sovereignty mm-hmm, mm-hmm. as opposed to being, you know, looking at where we get attached to a certain idea that inevitably is going to stifle authenticity. Yeah, or an expectation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. Um, what, how do we, this is going to, what is, I want to first ask you, what does sovereignty mean to you? Because you said sovereignty in relationships, and I want to touch on that, but mm-hmm. let's define what sovereignty means to you. And also there's not just, there's sovereignty, but there's also energetic sovereignty here as well. Yeah. Well, I would say that to me, energetic sovereignty is the most important because it's from our energetic sovereignty that all other forms of sovereignty mm-hmm. occur. Um, so to me, energetic sovereignty is being in right relationship with our masculine and feminine energies, being in right relationship with um, like being able to stay present and embodied and discerning. Mm-hmm. in our yes and our no, as we're in the act of giving and receiving in life. Mm-hmm. Um, so to me, energetic sovereignty is being connected to my authentic truth in every moment mm-hmm. and being in the cultivated art of expressing and embodying that truth in a way that both honors me individually and is also in service to the collective that exists around me and mm-hmm. seeing that as like everything is connected. Yes. And what would you say to, this is a question, this is a personal question. Um, it comes up is I, I am, authenticity is something that has been such a huge, it's just the way I live my life. I, like I said, I don't know how to be anybody but anybody but myself. And I've noticed in my life, especially with my family, my parents, me choosing myself and me being true to myself has dampened that relationship. It has, um, 
you know, somehow, way, shape, or form hurt that person. So what if we're in relationships with people, be it partnership, parents, friends, whoever, any kind of relationship where when we are being in, in integrity with who we are and in, part, and in truth with who we are and we're, we're expressing that truth, it, it's hurting people in your life. Well, uh, I want to clarify that, you know, so it's saying it's hurting people. They are, ha- it's, they are having the experience of feeling hurt. Yes. Yes. Their story, I mean. their, their story is that you're hurting them. Mm-hmm. So there is, so it's like, okay, so there's a truth that I'm expressing to a person. And the ideal is that I'm expressing this truth in a way that's not blaming or shaming. Yes. Yes. Right. But I'm expressing my truth cleanly. Mm-hmm. And that truth is triggering something in someone uh, that they have feeling that they have feelings about. Maybe it's it's challenging a dynamic that they're comfortable with with us. Because uh, often what happens is like people get comfortable with us being a certain way. Mm-hmm. You know, when when I have a certain pattern of relating with someone, there's a comfort in that pattern. And sometimes when I bring truth into a relationship relationship it ruffles up against the feathers of what's comfortable and familiar and it winds up holding up a mirror to someone where they've become attached to a certain experience of reality mm-hmm. they've become attached to things not changing when life is change right so what i would say is that bringing truth into relationship is a gift And I definitely know I've gone on my own journey with, you know, my parents and truth speaking, and it definitely ruffled feathers and caused, you know, some disruptions in our relationship. Um, And that was really uncomfortable. And there was a lot of fear Mm -hmm. in abandonment and loss. And what I've also found is that because of my devotion to my own truth, and not needing to prove anything or force anything, but just settling into the softness and power of my own truth. It's ultimately created a space where even if there might've been a temporary disruption in the relationship, because I was just committed to it, eventually I experienced a shift in my relationships with them where there's a freedom and authenticity that exists between us that I think only could have occurred because I was willing to rock the boat. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and sometimes there are just some relationships also that when we start embodying our authentic truth, they, they no longer are in alignment for us. Mm-hmm. And yeah. again, this is where I feel that the willing, the willingness to trust that there is something better out there for us and being willing. It's like that, that Facebook meme where, you know, there's a little kid and the little kids holding a little teddy bear and then God's standing there and he's putting out his hand or their hand and it's like, give me the teddy bear, little one. And the, the little, the little kid is like, but God, I love it. Hmm. And what the kid doesn't see is that behind God's back, there's like a huge teddy bear, hmm. but the kid, you, it's like, but the little kid needs to let go of the little teddy bear 
before the huge teddy bear reveals itself. Mm -hmm. So there's this, there's again, it's, there's this trust that is, that is needed Mm -hmm. and uh, like a willingness to let go of what is not aligned in trust that there is something greater out there that I can't actually be energetically available for until I'm willing to restore integrity with myself. Yes. Um, The thing that comes to my mind is, you know, when we speak our truth, sometimes it's also power over dynamic is being violated that person no longer can feel like they have power over you anymore or you or they or that they can be you can be controlled anymore at least that was that was what it was with me and my parents yeah um and the thing the thing that comes up for me is this not having judgment around what my truth is and trusting that it's that this is this is okay yep and you know my experience is like you know we never stop having to do this work Mm-hmm. But especially, like, I feel really blessed in that I experience my, my life and my relationships are so aligned with me energetically. Mm-hmm. I feel I experience such gorgeous harmony mm-hmm. in my life on the daily. And I believe it's because of my commitment to this practice of energetic integrity. Mm -hmm. And I also know that earlier on when I first started this journey, it was way crunchier Mm -hmm. and way rockier because when we just start doing this work, there's a lot of contrast. There's a lot of old patterns and old contracts that need to fall away. And the biggest piece is knowing that, you know, discomfort does not mean that anything's wrong. Mm-mm. It means you're it growing. Actually, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, thank you for sharing that. Uh, yeah. What, what, how, what is, what is the practice of trust look like? I mean, there's many answers to that question. You can trust with self. Yes. Let's start with there. Cause that's, 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 that's the best embodiment of trust is with yourself. You know, to me, it, it means and begins with being willing to be with and hold myself in my emotions. Mm. It means being willing to feel the bigness of like all the feelings that move through me and know that I can hold myself through it and to give myself so much love and approval that You know, even if the people in my life don't give me the answer that I want or hold me in the way that I need, I know that I've got me Mm -hmm. and that I'm not going anywhere. And when we commit to that practice, you know, on a deep level, everything changes. Mm -hmm. And ultimately then it becomes, okay, well, I trust the people that I'm inviting into my into my life because I trust myself and my discernment. Mm. I trust that I have my back. Yeah. Yeah. Trust, how do we trust the divine? What's the practice of that? I feel like, again, trusting the divine is about trusting ourselves because mm. the divine is pure. Yeah. And 
to me, it's about the art of learning how to let go. And again, this, that, and this, that question in itself could be a, a whole nother, you know, 90 minute podcast. Yeah. Um, but it really begins with, and this is about reestablishing healthy relationship with the feminine, the unknown, the unseen forces of being willing to begin letting go the grip of control on of, you know, what my life looks like and that what exists is only what I can see with my naked eye and beginning the practice of learning how to surrender to a felt sense in my body is an invisible thread that is always wanting to guide my life if I'm willing to slow down and become sensitive enough mm -hmm. to really feel it and to begin allowing for my life to reorganize around a greater intuitive wisdom um, and you know from that place learning how to both act and then surrender when it's aligned to do so mm -hmm. it's it's, it's a, it's a life path. It's, yeah. a, it's a life path. <laughs> uh, the question I want to just present is what is the distortions you have around God or the divine that are holding you back from trusting? Just like me um, personally. Oh no, just something to ponder. That's what came up for me because that inability to trust the divine, you know, it's like, what are the distortions you have around that first? Mm -hmm. Right. And you said pure, you know, and that could be activating for a lot of people, mm. especially, especially if we're stuck in victim, victim timelines here with ours, with, with reality. Well, there's, you know, there's a lot of, again, there's a lot of layers to it, um, but it's also looking at, you know, our relationship to religion and where we've been told what God is versus having our own oh, unique relationship sure. to it. Yes. Yeah. And I think it's just familiarizing with our own distortions around God and learning to see, see clearly. Yeah. At least that's what my process has been <laughs> um, to then formulate, mm -hmm. formulate that relationship see, trust. See clearly and feel clearly. Yes. Yeah. It's interesting you say that because um, my birthday was just uh, two weeks ago. Um, and I have a clear quartz crystal that I tied as like a ritual ceremonial um, thing for my new next year of life. And it's all about seeing myself clearly. So it's like, I'm clear is my intention. Mm. Uh, and so this conversation has just been so like imbued with clarity and clear sight and clear seeing and clear knowing. So I just wanted to reflect. Mm. That. Thank you. Thank you for reflecting that and feeling that and seeing that. Yeah, I feel a lot of clarity right now and just clear, um, clear energy. Beautiful. Thank you so much for inviting me to share this space with you. Yes, of course. Um, where can people find you on the internet? Or where can they find yeah, you? So, <laughs> yeah, so the simplest way is to, to go to my website. It's www com. I imagine you can share a link when you share this podcast. Perfect. It's A-R-I-E-L-L-E-B-R-O-W-N.com. And there you can get a sense of my one-on-one -on -one offerings, uh, my retreat offerings, and also learn about the Cosmic Tantra community, which is a monthly membership model for people who are wanting to deepen intimacy with others over time in 
uh, birthing and discovering the new paradigm of sex intimacy and human connection. Uh, I'm on social media as well, and I would say uh, check out my website and see where there's resonance for you. Perfect. Yay. Thank you so much, Ariel. I am so grateful that we were able to connect today. Likewise, deep appreciation. Thank you so much. And thank you to everyone who listens as well.